If you are someone who likes to follow an outline with the message, you will find that outline on the insert in your bulletin. It is in the reading plan insert for the week. It's on the second page if you find that helpful as you go, as we walk through the message. I suspect that at some point or other, just about all of us here have taken what is typically referred to as a personality test or profile. By definition, a personality profile is designed to systematically identify a person's motivations, preferences, interests, emotional makeup, and their style of interacting with people in various different situations. And if you're familiar with these, then you probably know that there's all kinds of different personality profiles. For instance, there's the Myers-Briggs profile that looks at eight major characteristics which can lead to 16 different personality types. There's also what is called the DISC profile that identifies if you have a dominance or compliance or influential or steady personality. There's one that uses four different colors to characterize a person's overall behavioral makeup. An organization by the name of Strength Finders uses four domains of leadership strength to identify whether your leadership style is executing or influencing or relationship building or strategic thinking. Several years ago, Focus on the Family came out with a personality assessment that attaches four different animals, suggesting that at any point in time, people bring about the characteristics of either a a beaver or a lion, a golden retriever or an otter. You know, whatever tool that you might go through to identify one's personality or behavior, they all help to try to explain how it is that we relate to people around us and how we go about doing the things that we do in life. And if you've ever taken one of these, it's important to recognize, it's important to to know that there's no one right or wrong personality type. It's not like one is good and the other is bad. And I've taken several of these, and every time I do, more than anything else, I'm just glad that it affirms that I actually have a personality. (laughs) I say all of this by way of introduction to the story that we heard read earlier about Mary and Martha. I think it's very easy for us to hear this story and to conclude that Martha was wrong and, and Mary was right. But could it be Could it be that these two sisters simply had different ways of approaching the same situation based upon the personality types that they had? 
To explain what I mean by that, let's back up in the Gospel of Luke here a little bit and and look at the opening verses of Luke chapter 8. Here we read where Jesus is traveling from town to town. And as he's traveling, we see there that he wasn't traveling alone. He was traveling with twelve, his, the twelve, the twelve disciples. But it also tells us there that he was traveling with a number of other people. Specifically, there's a number of women who are mentioned in those verses. In fact, it's been suggested that as Jesus traveled from place to place, there may have been as many as 20 or 30 people who traveled with him as he went from town to town. And if that's the case, then there's no small number of people who showed up at Martha's house that day. Now, we know that in those days, it wasn't possible for Jesus to pull out his cell phone and call Martha and said they were on the way. It wasn't possible for him to text a message to her and and tell her that there's about 30 people headed to her house and they're about 20 minutes out. So basically, Martha had no indication that there was this crowd of people coming to her home until Jesus knocked on the door. So let's think about this picture for a moment. Here's this group of them that unexpectedly showed up. Probably hot, more than likely thirsty, maybe hungry. Some of them needed to find the bathroom. A number of them were just tired and wanted to get off their feet after all the traveling that they were doing. You can kind of get the picture in your mind, can't you? It's not as if Martha had sent out invitations to them three months ahead of time, and so she had plenty of time to be prepared. It was the exact opposite. So here Martha is scurrying around the house trying to take care of everything because, well, that's her personality type. It's the way she goes about things. It's how she's wired. But her sister? Her sister's very different. Mary is sitting while Martha is serving. Mary is devoted while Martha's distracted. Mary's listening while Martha is laboring. The difference isn't necessarily wrong. I don't think Mary is necessarily being disrespectful to Martha. I don't think Mary had the mindset that there's no way she was going to lift a finger around the house to do anything. But instead, in this situation, Mary had the kind of personality where none of this other stuff really mattered. All she was concerned about was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, even though Martha was running around the house taking care of everything else. It just may be the difference in their personality types. But let me also suggest another reason why the two sisters responded differently in this situation. And for that, I'd like to turn back to the parable of the Good Samaritan that we heard a moment ago. The story starts out with someone who is described as an expert in the law asking Jesus what he must do to inherit eternal life. It's important for us here to recognize that this description, an expert in the law, isn't like an attorney or lawyer like you and I might think of today. 
But instead, an expert in the law here means someone who was highly knowledgeable in the law of Moses. He was an expert in religious law, in biblical law, in God's law. And from the exchange that this man had with Jesus, the question the man ultimately asked is, who's my neighbor? And so in response to that, Jesus tells a parable. There was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. The man was beaten up and robbed, and he was left as for half dead laying on the side of the road. Now, there was a couple of people that passed by, and if anybody knew what to do in this situation, if anybody had information of how you should take care of somebody that you find like that, certainly the priest and the Levite would know. These two people were also experts in the law, and they knew that it was important to love God and to love your neighbor. These two men had all the right information on what to do and how to act in this situation. They knew what to do. But what did they do? Nothing. They walk on by. They ignore the man's needs. They don't stop to help. They know what the right thing is to do, but they do nothing. And so now here comes a Samaritan. As a group of people, Samaritans were people who were hated by the Jewish people. A Jewish person would consider themselves immediately unclean if a Samaritan person so much as breathed on them. If anyone should leave the injured person laying on the side of the road alone, it should be the Samaritan person because if he touches him, he will be unclean. And yet, it's the Samaritan man who shows care. He's the one who stops and helps. He's the one who bandages his wounds and provides for his ongoing care. You see, what the parable of the Good Samaritan shows us is it's not so much a matter of having all the right information. In other words, it's not so much a matter of just knowing what you're supposed to do. But does having that information impact the transformation of how we live in life? priest and the Levite knew what they were supposed to do in this situation. They had all the right information, but, but they did absolutely nothing. It's really the point that is mes- mentioned by the Apostle James in his letter where he says, do not merely listen to the word and so, do, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And I think that then takes us back to the story of Mary and Martha. It was okay that Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. There's nothing wrong with wanting to learn or wanting to hear or or wanting to gather more information. And, And maybe that's exactly what Mary needed to do at that moment. In fact, maybe that's why Jesus said that Mary chose what was better. Maybe she was has chosen what was better for her at that moment. But at some point, it's important to act 
on what we learn. Maybe you're familiar with the name of John Maxwell. John Maxwell's a pastor, a author, a, a, a national public speaker. I've heard John Maxwell speak a dozen times. And one of the things that I remember him saying in one of the presentations when he was talking about how we deal with God's Word in our life is he said that oftentimes Christians are educated way beyond our level of obedience. Sometimes we're educated way beyond our level of obedience. In other words, as important as it is to know what God's Word says, at some point it's important to actually do what it says. And so maybe in this situation, Martha was simply acting on what she knew was the right thing to do. Maybe she was acting on what she had learned as far as serving and caring for the needs of others. Maybe for Martha, learning information resulted in the transformation of what she actually did in her life. You see, one of the things I think we learn from these two sisters is that our laboring is to flow out of our listening. But likewise, our listening is to lead towards our laboring in life. And that's why I think Jesus approached Martha the way that he did in this story. Jesus didn't say to Martha, for crying out loud, quit your complaining. He didn't say that. Instead, what he does is he speaks to Martha in a way that conveys care and compassion and concern for her. You can almost picture Jesus taking her by the hands and saying, Martha, Martha. In the Bible, we know that when a name is repeated twice, it, it's usually spoken as, a, as, a, as an expression of endearment. Martha, Martha, Jesus says. He wasn't scolding her. He wasn't criticizing her. He wasn't calling her out. He wasn't shaming her for what she was doing. He was expressing care for her. There's nothing wrong with the laboring that Martha was doing. Maybe it was just her personality type to jump in and help out with what needed to be done. Or maybe Martha is simply putting into action what she has already learned from the Word of God. And she's caring for the needs of others. And if that's okay, if that's the case, that's okay. It's why in a caring and compassionate way, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. These two women simply responded in different ways. Martha was laboring and Mary was listening. And with that in mind, I'd like for us to, to think about how we deal with God's Word before us. As you know, we're going through this exercise of reading through God's Word, specifically the New Testament this year. So just consider for a moment, how are you creating space in your life to, to listen to Jesus? How are you providing opportunities for yourself to, to be opening that Word and, and listening to what God's Word says? 
And maybe it's important for us to recognize whether it's easy for us to be distracted. I will publicly acknowledge that I am probably one of the most distracted people when it comes to trying to read something. I am the slowest reader. I know it takes me forever to try to read something because my mind wanders so easily. And if you're like that, how do you best manage to effectively read or listen to God's Word in your life so you're not just dismissing But also, in what ways is your hearing or reading of God's Word impacting what you are doing in your daily life? In other words, how is this information making a transformation in what you do? You see, your personality type may be more the kind to labor. Or maybe your personality type is more the kind to listen. But in either way, we are to take what God gives to us and put it into action. Are we listening and laboring when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? And as you think about that response, let us all thank God that Jesus did both for us. He listened and he labored. Jesus listened to his Father, and he did his Father's will. We know that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, take this cup from me, but he also prayed, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus went to the cross because he listened to his Father's will. He listened to his Father's will, and he sacrificed his life in order to save your life. He listened to his Father's will, and he took upon himself your sins and mine. Jesus listened to his Father's will, and he died in our place. Jesus listened to his Father's will, and he shed his innocent blood in exchange for all of our guilt. Jesus listened to his Father, but he also labored on our behalf. In his suffering on the cross, Jesus labored for you. In his death, Jesus labored to offer you forgiveness, to extend to you hope in life, to give to you the promise of his everlasting love that he has for you every day. And in doing all of that, think of Jesus taking you by the hand, repeating your name twice, as an expression of love and compassion and care for you because what he did, he did for you. Jesus listened to his father's voice and he labored with his life, but he did it all for you. In response to that, The Word of God invites us to listen to God's Word and to labor in our life in service to the Lord and others around us. In Jesus' name, amen.